Hey, how does the story of you growing up, how does the first time that you touched a camera and the place that you were at in your life in the world affect who you are as an artist? Guys, my name is Miles Wood Boyer. You found the Photographic Collective podcast. And today's episode with a good friend of mine, Max Grubb from Max Grubb Weddings, is a really introspective, really powerful look at the way that a missionary kid growing up on the other side of the world landed with a camera in his hands and what it felt like for him to come back over to the United States for college and then for a career as a photographer, the way that he's seen the world change, his perspective shift alongside it, and all of the lessons that he's learned along the way. You guys, this is a, uh, it's a powerful chat. It's something that so many of us can learn from, and I hope so much that it uh, hits you right where you are uh, at home or in the office today. Hey, first things first, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, we want you to know that there's really three clean and decisive purposes for this recording. Number one, we want to encourage you to just up-level your art to uh, surround you with education and an opportunity to hear like-minded photographers and artists and creatives and mindset coaches talk through the lessons that they've learned along the way. Then two, we want you to take that into your client experience. We want you to up-level the industry around you, the communities around you, your clients for your work to get better and the value of that work to get higher. And then three, we want to invite you into a community where other photographers and designers and videographers and just creatives are coming together for purpose-filled, intentional conversation every day over on the Photographic Collective podcast and Facebook group. Hey, welcome. All right, so we're going to jump over to Max Grubb. I can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. All right, so we are officially live. This is it. We're going. Uh, Max Grubb on the call with me today. Um, dude, okay, first, can we can we go back? Right before I clicked record, we were talking about how much your wife loves your hat. Can we start, can we start <laughs> by talking about your hat? <laughs> my wife hates my hat. Um... <laughs> That's pretty accurate to most of the hats I've purchased lately, but that's okay. Um, then I, I love the uh, <laughs> I love the the bad golf hat that you have, the white one. Mm. Uh, yes, I, uh, that was that was in the roundup for today. So maybe I'll just go switch it. Uh, just swap it's it. It's a little yeah, dirty. We can, we can do it in post. It's a little right? dirty in video shop. White, white, uh, a white hat. For someone who um, is outside a lot was a really poor idea, and a white hat for someone who sweats. Did you? I have to a ask. Really poor idea. Like before we actually get into what you've been doing in your life lately, did you take that hat to Brazil? No. Oh, okay. No, I, I wanted took, to say. <laughs> so I took. It's even worse, honestly. I took an Adidas running hat to Brazil because I was like, hey, you know, it's dry fit. It'll, yeah. you know, I can pour water in it and freshen up a little if I need to. Uh, wore it for the 24 hours of airplane travel down there and the logo on the inside became goo and started sticking to my Gross. hair like glue and Gross. so that was a great way to end 24 hours of airplane travel and that hat has now been put in the uh, only wear if necessary pile we're burning that hat <laughs> hey guys if you yeah. uh, if you if you've jumped in with us obviously uh, those of you guys that are joining us uh, it's we're two minutes into the the most ridiculous podcast episode we'll probably ever have. Um, but guys, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sitting clearly, obviously you could tell from the banter I'm sitting with, uh, with one of my closest friends in this industry, but longtime friend, um, Max Grubb, he and I 
have uh, we've been doing this side by side, um, just uh, you know, most of most of our realistically most of our careers at this point, but um, but certainly a good part of his. But I wanted to have you on here, dude, so that we could chat through a number of things that are like maybe a little bit more uh, more deep than. Um, you know, than some of our episodes. Like, I want to talk through your your upbringing. You were so so. Give us a, like a high level on on where you where you grew up, and um, you know, like what in the world you were doing there. And then I'm get, I've got a, I've got a place I want to take it. So let's start there. Cool. Uh, so hi, I'm Max. Uh, as Miles uh, mentioned, I grew up overseas uh, on one of the islands of Indonesia. Uh, I was in eastern Indonesia. I was there for pretty much about 18 years of my life and uh, just growing up a kid, you know, Um, went to school, went to play three sports a year, played soccer, basketball, volleyball, went to the ocean, hiked the mountains, um, lived the jungle kid life. That being said, uh, I, I, you know, I picked up a camera when I was in Oh, ninth grade, my dad handed me my first camera. And that's kind of like, that is the background for me. I grew up over there in a different culture. And um, for those that are watching this on YouTube, I'm, uh, you know, a 6'4", very white male. And uh, so I kind of stuck stuck out a little bit in the jungles of Indonesia. And so um, growing up culturally, it was, it was fun to get to witness and experience other cultures um, but also have a little bit of a understanding for um, what it's like stepping into cultures that you're not a part of. Dude, okay, so we're, we're going to be able to go absolutely nuts with this topic. Um, it's one of the things that I think you and I have probably the most in common, although we grew up in such obviously like very <laughs> different places. But we both grew up um, at least racial minorities, right, in where we were living mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, Um, but, but I think it really influenced, at least for me, I know I can say this, it really influenced the way that like, I see culture, uh, culture with like a capital C, like how fluid culture can be. And then how important, um, you know, the stories, the history in culture is to keeping it focused. Um, it's something I think we're seeing a lot right now, right? In the world is there's, there's these battles going on, um, you know, moral, ethical, legal, you know, like battles going on of like, what is culturally correct and, and how is everything moving? So talk me through. Okay. So you're, you're, I, I'm trying to picture this. You're like this little white kid running around in an Island, uh, with a lot of, I'm assuming indigenous people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, I lived in town just due to the nature of my dad's work. Um, however, a lot of my friends grew up in villages. And so I, I grew up traveling to the villages as well as um, just leaving town and going into the surrounding areas that were a little bit more indigenous. Okay. And your dad, I think you may have mentioned this, but I know this just from us being friends. Your dad uh, was a pilot, right? So he, he'd like jump around. Yes, from correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he would fly from village to village, um, giving uh, supplies to villagers and uh, basically carrying around. Um, they were the they were the truckers of the U.S., you know what I mean? So they would they would take um, supplies from one place to another. Okay, so how rad is it that, like, starting in ninth grade, you've got a camera. Are you taking pictures at all of these places? Like, in, as you go to uh, villages or from the plains? Or how does that, where, where did you start so, shooting? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the glorious backyard shooting raindrops on a barbed wire fence. Uh, that is, you know, humble beginnings. Um so no, uh, my dad, my dad 
was really big into photography when he was a kid. He had his own dark room in his house and he was doing, you know, all the yearbook stuff and, and sports photography and just anything he could, his, could get his hands on. And so that's kind of where the history of photography started for me was there. And then when overseas, you know, my dad handed me a camera and was like, hey, I think you would enjoy this. And so ninth grade, I just kind of picked it up. I started uh, just hanging out in the backyard, taking photos of our basketball goal, taking photos of our dog, taking photos of flowers and sunsets and, and rain because it's a rainforest. So we had a lot of that to take photos of. And so that's kind of like, I remember the first photo that I took that I was like, epic, I'm in, this is amazing. It was a raindrop popping off of a barbed wire fence and the sunset was inside the raindrop. Uh, it was like the first photo that I took that I was like, wow, okay, this is really fun. And then uh, from there, I started doing a lot of our yearbook photography and a lot of our sports stuff just because I fell into understanding how shutter speed worked. Um, at the time, I don't think I truly understood uh, why it was working, but it was working. I was getting athletes that weren't blurring on camera um, in our dimly lit gym. And so it's one of those things uh, I started doing that kind of through throughout 11th and 12th grade year of high school, that was really kind of the big thing that I took photos of. And then, you know, I I wandered town a lot and took photos of the things for me that were just normal, you know, um, motorcycles with full chicken coops on the back of them, uh, motorcyclists driving down the road with another guy on the back holding a wheelbarrow full of cement. Like those are the things that to me was just everyday life. Um, and now looking back, there's so much that I wish I should have captured, uh, knowing that like, Hey, this was so different than how the rest of the world lives. And so in a long answer, no, I, uh, I did not take a ton of photos in villages. Um, we would do a two week trip out into villages every year with our high school. So that was something that I did take my camera on and I did document those things. But looking back on it now, it's one of those, I'm like, Oh man. If only I was as good as I am now back then, um, the, th the things that I could have told. and But it was fun to see the stories and the way that people lived and to capture that. And that's kind of the last couple of years that I was there. Those are the things that I did unintentionally. And now it's the things that I do very intentionally because I know what I missed by not doing it then. Dude, okay. So this is like total sidebar. We're, we're chasing a, a, a rabbit trail here right off the bat. But I, this is what I was hoping for with you. I mean, how many times have you and I been in long car rides together? And these are our actual conversations. But, but I, I want to ask then, like, what advice would you have? Because I, I feel the same way. Let me let me back up for long enough to like agree with you. You know, I grew up in the in the base of the Southern Rockies, right, in like this little Hispanic town, uh, alongside the oldest surviving Indian pueblo in North America, right. So like all these all these cultures colliding, this, this very traditional Hispanic and, and Catholic um, culture colliding with a Western worldview, colliding with this Native American world, uh, Puebloan worldview, all in one of the most, arguably one of the most beautiful, you've been there, you shot a wedding there, one of the most beautiful places. It's awesome. I, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. And, and I think the same thing often. I'm like, man, I used to be so callous to this. Like now I, I pull into that town, right? And I'm like, how did I not take pictures of Lenny Foster's studio? How did I not wander down Ledoux Street with a camera and just watch it at sunset? How did, how did I miss the Firelitos at Christmas time? So I guess my point is this, knowing what you know now, 
how would you encourage people to see things with fresh eyes? Like to shoot what, what is around them instead of constantly hoping or wishing they were somewhere else? So I don't, mm, that's hard because I think I'm, I think now I do the same thing to the things I live every day here in the U.S. Um, I still think that I'm callous to my everyday life because it's everyday life. Um, so I, I think looking looking at that question, looking at the potential of what that question could mean, I would say I think you know someone that I thought did it really well during the pandemic and during COVID was Jason Vincent. He decided that he was going to document his everyday life in a, in a unique way, just mundane life experiences in a unique way. And so I think that's what I would encourage people to do is to just pick up your camera and whether it's your walk to school, the school bus to school or your commute or whatever that looks like, um, and just your daily walk with your family, whatever it is that is mundane everyday things is to grab your camera and either once a week or once a day, take a photo of something mundane in a way you haven't done it before. Um, and I think over time, when you start to look at those images, you're going to start to evolve one, not just your style, not the way that you capture stories, but also you're going to evolve in the way that you remember how life was during the mundane moments. Mm, okay. That's, that, that's an important note. I mean, it's something that I need to hear. I remember the photos that you were talking about, um, that, that Jason was shooting at the time. And it's these moments of realization of just like, just how good that guy really is. You know, cause it's, it's one thing, I think you'll, you'll agree with me on this. Like it's one thing when we're teed up, right? We've got an amazing wedding venue, an amazing wedding planner, like a gorgeous couple, great light. We're teed up to succeed. And we've worked really hard, you know, as, as individuals, as photographers to get into those scenarios. But it's a whole other thing when it's like, you know, your three-year-old running around in your backyard. <laughs> and yeah. and the photos are still that powerful. So I, I love that advice. It's something I probably need to to work on myself. So okay, so you you're traveling around and you're seeing the world through through very unique eyes to how like other you know like call it American kids were growing up at the same time. So so then you when you come back to the states, what what was that situation like? What was that process like for you? Like becoming, I know you've always been an American kid, but right, like kind of like reintegrating into a culture that wasn't really yours. Yeah, so I think to give my parents the, the due justice they deserve in this one, my parents did a really good job of raising me to know that I'm, I was going to be an American after my time overseas. Um, not to say that I couldn't go back overseas, not to say that, you know, I was stuck in America now, but that the opportunities and the availability to things in America were going to be things that would set me up for success. And so I think coming back to America, I had a really good grounding of like um, American culture just because of how my parents raised us, as well as, um, you know, throughout those 18 years of living there, I spent about five of those here in the States. And so I had understood. And also when I was here in America, sat back and watched the culture here because culture is different and you become somewhat of a chameleon when that's your life. Um, you can fake things really well and people can just assume that you're part of whatever you're in in the moment because you're good at just 
putting on basically the the coat of like, yeah, this is I'm a part of this. And so I think on one hand, that's sort of what I did right out the gate getting back to the States was, you know, I went to college, I became the college kid. Uh, I, I started talking about, you know, oh, yeah, I grew up in high school playing soccer, too. Now, I was playing soccer against men, not other high schoolers. I was um, playing you know, in the the jungles of Indonesia rather than in St. Louis or Kansas City. And so um, there were certain details that I would leave out depending on who I was talking to. Um, And on one hand, that was a big disservice because people didn't truly get to understand who I was. Um, And I I kind of uh, cut part of my story out. But then on the other hand, it allowed me to not have the stigma of like, oh, you're a weird kid. Like you kind of grew up in a weird life. And so it allowed me to create friendships. And then when those opportunities arose, I got to start to tell my story more. And then those friendships grew deeper. And so I would say um, for me, that was, uh, I kind of played that chameleon game a little too long, I think. Um, but it helped me, I don't know, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but like assimilate back into American life and culture a lot quicker. Um, but, you know, then I also I ran into things that were um, problems because I didn't realize that culturally wasn't acceptable and, and just things like that. And I mean, you know, even just the way that I was um, raised, you know, I got married to my wife in 2019 and we're, we're in the kitchen cleaning one day and I take the Ziploc bag from her lunch to, to work and I start to wash it out with soap. And she literally looked at me and like freaked out. She was like, what are you doing? Like, just throw it away. It's used. Um, but in my head, growing up overseas, that was a commodity that like you couldn't always find it. And so you just rewash it until the thing would fall apart. And so just little things like that, I still find throughout my life. Um, but now it's just a funny, like, oh yeah, I guess that's different. Um, like there's a, there's a, you know, a, a bullet point in my life. That's like, ah, yeah, that explains it. Like that was from growing up overseas. Okay. I mean, I think anybody that's listening, I hope that what they're getting out of this is the same thing that I'm getting because I, I see a lot going on, at least in our culture today, just from a mindset perspective, like take photography out of it for a minute and just talk about like just humanity. We're, we're so rapid to try and like this, this herd mentality concept of like, find people that look like you, act like you, smell like you, you know, like, and then just, just absorb into those people. And then like the counterculture, the other end of that is people screaming that you're like, you're supposed to love and connect with everybody that doesn't look like you, doesn't sound like you, doesn't smell like you. But like, try not to, like you have to love those people, but like try not to cross into their path too much, right? And it, it feels like we're all compartmentalizing each other in, in really odd, like really toxic ways as a culture right now. And what I love that you just said is that like, you know, as a as an 18-year-old kid, you found yourself almost instinctually feeling like the need to to like hide what had made you special. Like the thing that makes you unique is is growing up in a different place. Most of us will never see, right? So, okay, so so here would be my question then is how did that? Like how did that upbringing that perspective change, that shift into, you know, kind of assimilating back into American culture. Like, how did all of that uh, affect maybe your, I, I think that's a good word, affect your, like, your perspective from an artistic angle? Hmm. Um, 
you know, I don't know if I've really like sat down and made that an intentional thing. I think it's just a byproduct of growing up that way. But I think personally what it did was allowed me to, I can walk into a room and quickly make people, make people feel at home. And the reason for that is because a lot of my relationships were one to two years at a time. And so I got really good at diving deep with people. Um, from the first handshake. And the reason for that is if I didn't, I'd have a bunch of surface relationships throughout my life that would would lead me nowhere. And that's a really emptying experience to have. And so um, I think that is one, one part of that was like the people that came in and out of my life, I dug in immediately and decided to be very intentional, very deep with them. And sometimes that meant, you know, asking uncomfortable questions for a first meeting but what that allowed was them the the ability to have trust and faith in like oh he cares or oh he truly wants to like i feel heard because he truly is investing and not just like how's your day oh it's good cool bye um like no how's your day oh like this is happening in your life like you want to talk about it you want to like dig into that and so um i think that in in the realm of my work has allowed me to, when I walk into a room with bride or groom or their parents or their friends or their guests, I feel to those people as though I've been a lifelong friend because of the fact that I'm not shying away from the good, the bad and the ugly that's happening in their life. But I'm also not shying away from like, Oh, I've experienced those things too, or I can relate in this way and opening up myself. Um, and by doing those things, when you walk into situations, especially on, you know, wedding days or newborns or maternities or family shoots or anything like that, you're walking into people's vulnerability and you're walking into their story and their life. And so if you're afraid to share your own story and your own vulnerability, those people aren't going to feel a connection there. And if they don't have a connection, it's not going to be read through the camera. And so it's going to be a very surfacey, very fake experience, one for them and two for the, the, the images where they get them back. And so I think the big thing for me is that I decided early on to be very intentional and very deep with my clients. And through that, you know, I was at, um, I did a wedding in 2017 down in Cabo and I walked into that, not meeting the bride and groom outside of phone calls. And I walked into that weekend, met them at the airport with all of their guests by the end of the weekend, mom, dad, college friends of the bride, college friends of the groom were all asking like, well, how long have you known the bride? How long have you known the groom? And like the mom of the the groom walked up to me and said, I'm so thankful that their college friend was able to come and shoot this wedding. And it it's purely because I, I walked into that and I was just a friend to all of them. Um, and from that, I realized like that's what that's what can set me apart and that's what allows my work to truly tell a deeper story than just you got married. Um, it can tell the family dynamics. It can tell the the sad moments in a wedding day. It can tell the emotional moments in a wedding day in a way that the bride, the groom, the parents don't feel like they have to put this guard up um, when my camera comes in front of my face. It allows them to feel like, oh, it's just Max. Um, like I feel safe being vulnerable because I know he's not going to take that vulnerability and and run and run with it in a bad way, um, or or make me look, you know, emotional or 
belittled or anything like that because I walk in and I take that vulnerability with care. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing for me. Long, long story, not so short, but I think that's the biggest thing that helped me growing up in the way that I did was I had to dig deep quickly with every person that came across my um, doorstep or else they would be here today and gone tomorrow and I'd never see them again. Dude, what a, okay, what a beautiful, like, complete concept, like a complete thought. And it's something that I think um, is popular. And that's what scares me about the industry right now. It's popular to say those things, but like, I, I can say, like, I've seen it firsthand with you, right? Um, both you, you shooting with me and me shooting with you um, on a number of occasions, like several times I've popped in where I've, I've had the opportunity to see people that you barely know who um, feel intimately and intentionally affected by your presence. And so give us some advice then, like how, how are you getting there with these people in a way that doesn't feel, um, you know, cookie cutter? Like it's not, you know, the popular, you know what I mean? The popular thing these days is like to send out a questionnaire or to send out a, you know, whatever, or for the bio to be like, you know, I just want to be your best wedding buddy. But how is it that you're getting to the point where the depth uh, and the purpose behind that depth is actually affecting the photography? I think, you know, hmm. I would say, again, like it's a buzzword right now, but the authenticity behind the reason I'm doing it is not just to say that I'm authentic. I truly do care. Like if you're willing to invest in my, you're investing by hiring me, you're investing in my life. So if I'm not willing to invest in your life, I'm a bad hire. Um, and that's across the board for all of the people in your life, right? Like people want to say shop local. Why are you shopping local? Well, it's because that person's my neighbor and I don't want them to see them, their house foreclosed because their business went under. You know what I mean? Like that authenticity of like, no, I truly care about your life. Um, you know, and, and that being said, like I, when people confront me, like I had a bride this year, write me and say, um, her mother's struggling with cancer and it's a, like it shut everything down for them as far as, um, like engagement photo time and how excited they were for their wedding day and how, um, this experience of a wedding just changed from like the most happy time to, Oh, now this is like, these are the times with my mom that I really want to cherish. And so, um, when I got that text message, it wasn't like a cool see you on your wedding day. Instead, it was um, once or twice a month writing them and being like, hey, how are you doing? How's checkups going? I'm praying for you guys. Like I'm I'm intentionally caring about your life because on some small level, you're willing to care about my life by letting me into yours. And so um, I think that to me is whether it's big or small, like, hey, you know, you you were going to get a promotion. Well, cool. Like I'm going to follow up with that. Like, Hey, how'd the promotion go? Did you get it? Oh, you didn't. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I hope the next one gets better. Um, like keep pushing through, keep getting there. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got two clients this year who are opening four storefronts for their business. And like, that's a hard thing to do on top of planning a wedding by yourself. Um, 
And so for them, I'm over-investing when I can, um, giving them advice for wedding things that they might not be thinking of because I know they've got other things on their plate, um, but also giving them the space when they need it. And so I think that's the like truly digging into people's lives. And then on the flip side is I am a giant oversharer. Um, my wife really hates that about me when we're trying to leave someone's house because I won't shut up. Um, and being an introvert, that's something that people don't think um, but it's something I've had to learn. Like I, I fully recharge by being alone and away from people. But if you were to meet me at a wedding, if you were to meet me out in everyday life, truly, if you were to meet me with a camera, you would never, ever think that I'm an introvert. Um, and, and to the point that people laugh at it. Um, and I don't, I don't even think my wife realized how big of an introvert I was until we got married. And then she realized like, oh, when he gets home, he needs that time to like recharge and so um, being willing to be just as vulnerable with your clients. And if you open up that vulnerability, like when your client writes you, hey, how are things going? doesn't always have to be pieces, peaches and sunshine. You know what I mean? Like you can say, hey, this week's been really, really hard. Thank you for asking. Um, is there anything I can do for you guys, though, throughout this week? And, and so I think it's being willing to be just as vulnerable as you want your clients to be with your life with them. Um, and from that, you're going to create friendships. You're going to create not just the a check mark at the end of the year of like, I met my quota. Um, and so I think that is, that's the big thing. You know, I, I, I have several clients, um, probably more than I should who have become actual friends that to this day I'll travel to see them. They will travel to see me, um, spend hours over dinner and drinks and just, investing in them, whether it's before their wedding, after their wedding, um, opening up my life with my wife, um, with our family. Uh, you know, my, my in-laws have a, um, a lake house and that's one of the things that my wife and I love to do is and invite people there and like truly mean it, not just like a, Hey, you should come to the lake and then never mention it again. Like I, I fight for that time with the people. Um, and so I think that's the, the big thing that if you want vulnerability, in your imagery, you're going to have to have vulnerability in your relationship and, and not shying away from that. Um, but then also knowing like, there's also lines that are, that are needing to be towed, but, um, being respectful of things, um, and, and truly being, a, a shoulder to cry on, but also, a you know, a, a laugh and a smile to cheer someone up. And so, um, that's kind of my advice is if you want your clients to be vulnerable in front of your camera, you've got to be vulnerable with them. Man, and that's a hard thing, I think, for people to do these days. It's it's just hard. I think people are so quick to try and set professional boundaries that they forget that, like, you know, I mean, you you don't have people banging down the door yet, you know? Like, uh, you know, uh, get, get cross that bridge when you come to it, right? Um, yeah. Man, I, I will say this, like, um, guys that, that, that maybe don't know Max, we're, we're going to get to his work here shortly because I, I think I don't, that would be a huge disservice to not talk through. But... Y'all, I have, uh, I've walked in into maybe call it a coffee shop with Max, right, before, where he doesn't even make it through the door. It's like cheers at every single coffee shop that he walks. He doesn't even make it through the door before, you know, somebody sitting at the bar top is already like waving to him. And then somebody that just got their coffee and is walking out is stopping to compliment, you know, his, uh, his shoes. And he turns around in time for the barista to, you know, already be making his favorite drink. And those types of relationships, um, they're hard fought. And I think that's the thing that you're getting to is the fact that you, you invest time, whether that is in, you know, 
30 seconds with a waitress that you'll never see again, but taking the time to, to be grateful and thankful for her effort, or it's a wedding couple that is going to invest 18 months um, of, of their life in you. And, uh, and it also allows, uh, this is, I think, an important thing to say as well. It also allows, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of grace, right? Like when you need space mm. or when you're running behind or when yep. your deadlines or your eyes are tight. Like you, I remember a couple of years ago, you were fighting migraines like crazy. Mm. Right? So it was every like, day, yeah. You, you could only edit for so much, so much time every day, right? And how does, how does that affect like these relationships, Correct me. Am I wrong? Uh, like, does that does that allow you no, to be able to say, I, like, I'm, you know, I'm hurting? It does, but also knowing that that can't become a crutch. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like your clients give you that grace because they know at the end of the day, when that grace is given, you're going to turn around and bust your butt to try and to recover from from what's going on, or to try and um, not rectify that mistake. Because I don't necessarily think it's a mistake because we all have lives and we all have things that happen that are unforeseen. But I think being able to turn around and be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I know I said I'd have your images today. I just wanted to let you know, like, guys, the last three days have been struggling with migraines. Barely been able to get out of bed. Um, You'll have them by this time no matter what. And I'm so sorry. And, And that grace is because they know, like, oh, if he's coming to me with that vulnerability, it can't be something that's frivolous. You know what I mean? Like he truly is laying in bed hurt. Um, and so, and I think that's that, that grace of like just being gracious with your clients. Like, hey, I know there are times, you know, I hear this a lot is I sent my questionnaire out. My client never got back to me and now their wedding day is going to be a bust. No, it's not. Guys, like, come on. We shoot these things week in and week out. We know exactly what clients want before they want it. Now there's going to be unique things that I'm sure each client's going to want differently. However, they're walking into one of the most stressful days of their lives and one of the most exciting days of their lives. And if they didn't have 15 minutes to write or answer your questionnaire, give them that grace of like, hey, like, I know I sent you that questionnaire and I know you guys are probably slammed this whole last month Um, just before we start the wedding day. Like, how do we are there any specific photos you guys want? You can do that in 30 seconds in the morning of a wedding day and still give them that grace of like, I care about what you want, but I also understand like, I need this to do my job, but I also know that you've been getting bombarded with questions. And I think opening those doors very early on and being upfront with your clients. Like, you know, I tell every single one of my clients, I'll either be your favorite bridesman Or I will be your photographer and you have the freedom to choose how deep you want this relationship to go. Um, If you want to write me and text me and say, hey, does this does this dress look hideous for my bridesmaids? I'm going to give you my honest opinion, but it's because you're you're I let you know I'll be as in on that as you want. Or I'll get an email the week of your wedding that says, hey, we're super excited to see you this week. Here's the timeline. It really does. You know, I've I'm not that laissez-faire with my clients. I do try and reach out and I do I do send timelines and I do send questionnaires and I do send all this stuff. But if they don't respond with it, it allows me to know the level at which they want, they the level they're at with this relationship. And so when I walk into the room on Saturday for their wedding, that doesn't change the way that I'm shooting, but it does change the result they will get because their vulnerability isn't there. And so... Um, I think, yes, the grace that's given in me being vulnerable with my clients 
um, and allowing their vulnerabilities to show through and then meeting it with actual kindness. Um, it, it's a it's a give and take. And so, you know, I, tr- I try my best to, to be before deadlines and before, you know, things like that. But there are times that life hits. Um, and every time I've had to write a client and say that they've always responded with grace. And, and I truly believe that's because, um, from the depth of my heart, I want their experience to be something they look back on and they don't just have photos. They've got an emotional story that they get to tell their kids and and their kids are going to understand what that day meant because of what they're, they're being vulnerable in their photos. Dude, Perfect, perfect answer. Holy cow. Um, I mean, that is, that's about as true to who you are. Um, you know, and I, I love that I get to, I mean, I've, you know, known you for a long, long time. So that's, that, that really is about as true to who you are as, as possible as always just sort of saying like, I'm, I'm not going to take advantage of grace. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'm also not afraid to ask for it. That's, that's a powerful statement. Um, okay. So, you know, it occurs to me that like there's there's people uh, listening to this that may have never really seen your work, and so guys, if if you're listening to this and and uh, you're wondering really like who Max Grubb is, uh, make sure you take time down in the show notes to click over. I I'm gonna brag on him for a hot second and say this: uh, over the course of the last 15 years, um, Max has been probably the single most consistent influence to my work. Um, we've, we've had a long run together of getting to know each other and shooting with each other and, and working side by side for a long, long time. But, and, and I was pretty specific about him when, when we asked him to do this podcast about us not focusing on that relationship. But I will say this, there is so much of Max in my work. Um, and, and I want to ask you, I want to ask you a question. I've never had, um, maybe the opportunity, like the public opportunity to ask you, where where did this vision for light? You've got the most unique perspective. Um, actually, you know what? I'm not unique. Isn't the word? It's not fair. You've got the most sensitive perspective for light of anybody, any photographer I've ever worked with. Where did that come from? Mm, I have no idea. Um, no, <laughs> I I think I think a lot of it comes down to the influences that I, I dig into. Right. Um, I don't, I love, I love, love, love telling stories from shadow. Um, I feel when we're most emotional, it's not a bright and airy situation. You know, um, it's a sombering, it's a deep, even when it's a happy emotion, it's not always a, a bright, airy, sunny, happy day. You know what I mean? So those, those true emotions to me, they, they render and they, they sit within a mystical is the wrong word, but they sit in like this mystical place of like, where's this coming from and how does it work? And so to me, um, when I started shooting early on one, the camera I had did better with low light. Um, it, it did better in the shadows. And so I started my career shooting darker photos, um, and, sh- and finding the shadows and then telling the story from the shadow. Um, cause I feel like, again, back to that vulnerability, vulnerability is coming out of the shadows and being willing to share what's happening. And so I think there's, there's some semblance of that in my work, but then also, uh, in the last, 
last five years, four years, I've really kind of shifted away from being what a lot of people wanted to consider this dark and moody photographer um, to more of like a middle ground, right? Um, there are days that I'll shoot bright, beautiful photos, but then there are other days that I'll shoot dark, sombering photos. And the reason for that is because the situation that we're in, I'm not going to force a situation to be dark, but I'm not going to force a situation to be light either. Um, again, I'm here to tell the stories of the people around me. So if that story is on a rainy day, it's not going to be, um, sun, sunshine and butterflies. Um, it, it's going to be well, well documented photos of your rainy day. Um, and, and so, uh, same thing on the flip side, it is, you know, a thousand degrees outside and high noon, your photos are going to represent that. Um, and so I would say the biggest thing for me is, my inspiration is not a, it's not a funnel of the same people and only the same style of photography. Um, I, I range from loving fashion photographers to there are influencers out there who are doing incredible things with a camera. There are wedding photographers, there are boudoir photographers, there are family photographers, um, that I'll draw inspiration from, from all of it. Um, and the reason for that is, if I only get stuck in one style when I'm presented with something that doesn't allow that style, how am I going to now tell that story? Um, and so uh, I think for me is uh, I love chasing light in the shadows. And from that, I figured out how to shoot without shadows as well. Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. I've watched, you know, both of us send sending each other uh, influences back and forth over the years. And I think that's something that's maybe maybe lost almost in the industry. People are so sensitive to um, to feeling like an imposter or to comparison or just um, you know this this nasty feeling of like, well, but my work isn't as good as theirs. But I mean, I would go as far as to say I think I think the most powerful thing that has come out of the social media revolution over the last ten years has just been access, right? Like, yeah. you do you remember? Um, Gosh, I do. Like intimately, I do. You, I remember the first time that you ever pulled up Gabe McClintock's website, um, and you and you and sent, I still have the same exact dumbfounded look every time I pull it up. Yeah, you <laughs> sent it over to me, and you were like, "This is cheating," right? And then I remember yeah. when I found Fair Warcidi on uh, who's going to be on this podcast in a couple of weeks, by the way, but um, on Instagram, and I sent that over, and both of us just sitting and staring at each other. And then, you know, fast forward. He posted today and I was mind blown. Fast forward 10 years, right? And now it's like, it's still those guys. But now it's mm -hmm. it's the Kitcheners. It's, uh, you know, Jason Vinson. It's it's like Katie Mary and these this broad range of people that are doing work in a way that, um, you know, if you're not scared as an artist, like if you don't operate from a state of fear, you, you're just inspired by the challenge to say like, hey, that's a whole new set of paintbrushes I've never tried before. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's been, been the coolest thing for me to watch um, throughout your career has been, has, has been the way that you, man, the way you grew up, your perspectives, your, the way you treat people, um, your ability to, to empathize in a moment in just the most remarkable way, but then the way that's influenced your work um, and the stylistic decisions that you've made. Uh, I'm grateful for it, I'll say that. And I think that, um, 
you know, the industry, the local industry, we both guys that are listening, Matt, you know, Max and I live just a few miles away from each other. And, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it's coincidental to say that Jason Vincent lives basically right between us, right? Like there's, there's a lot of talent in a very yep. small area. Um, and, and, and not to mention all of the other names of talented, you know, remarkable photographers, like right around here, Laura Powers, Justin Palmer, you know, like people that are, that are really pushing boundaries. So, yeah. okay, well, so Max, as we kind of wrap this up, buddy, um, I want to hear, first things first, I want to hear what, you, what you're up to next, like where people can connect with you, how people can be, um, you know, either learn from you or learn with you or, you know, whatever. But then also, I, I want some, some tangible take-homes from you. Like I want some things that photographers can say like, okay, this guy's got a really cool perspective and I agree with it, but then what? You know, like what, what comes next for a photographer? So let's start there. What, what comes next for a photographer that has, they've found a passion for something, but they don't quite grasp how to turn that passion into work that they're proud of? Hmm. I mean, I think I still struggle with that myself, you know? Um, and, and hopefully that's encouraging to those people. Like, um, I still struggle with a lot of the same things that I struggled with when I was in ninth grade carrying a camera around in my backyard. Um, and I think that's just the one, the crutch of being an artist and not not feeling like an artistic person, right? Um, like I, I carry a camera, I don't paint a canvas, I'm not an artist. Um, but then all of my clients are going to tell me the exact opposite, right? Like, no, you are an artist because what you do is telling our story in an artful way. Um, and it's kind of allowing yourself again, back to it, allowing yourself that grace of like, okay, I've got to start listening to people around me and what they're saying about my work and starting to believe it. Um, that doesn't mean letting your head get too big, um, but also not, not being um, a crippling, humbled person. Does that make sense to where you're, mm-hmm. you're so, you're trying to be so humble about what's going on around you that you cut your legs out from underneath you and, and people start to be like, nah, well, they don't believe it. So I'm out. Um, sometimes there's, there's some good in being, um, fake it till you make it. Um, and, and trusting those people around you that have your best interest at heart. Um, and when they say like, nah, like I love what you're doing, keep pouring into it. And I think if, if you don't have those people, it's start to try and find those people. Um, I guarantee they're out there and I guarantee that you might just not realize it. But I think the biggest thing is, um, finding that space to trust what, what people are telling you is real. And I think that's the hard thing these days is so many people are willing to say something off the cuff and not mean it. Um, or, you know, Hey, I like your shoes, but really they don't. Um, so trying to find that like balance of people you trust that are telling you that, and then just kind of toning out the, the woes of social, um, internet presence of the people that want to just bring you down. And so, um, I would say the only way that you're going to know what people think about your work is by putting your work out there. Um, and, and the only way that that's going to happen is if you, uh, trust that, you know, Hey, listen, I'm on a journey. I'm going to throw it out there. You know, I, I posted a blurry photo, what, three years ago. And I about threw up the second I hit post because 
to me, it was a beautiful photo of this couple running through the streets of Tulum. Way too dark for me to be taking a photo. But I was like, this is what they do on a on a nightly basis is they enjoy the streets of Tulum. They enjoy going to restaurants and, and enjoying the city and the people. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and capture that in a way that tells the story. I posted that photo. It absolutely tanked. It was awful. Nobody liked it. However, for me, it changed the way that I started to view because my client loved it. Um, so that one voice to me meant more than the 5,000 followers I've got. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, not to say that I don't appreciate everybody that is is reaching out on social media and that is engaging and, and doing that. But what it what it is is with each photo you take, there's going to be someone that it matters to and making sure that that person feels heard. And so um, to me, you know, I still try and post that one every once in a while and I still try and do stuff like that and I try and explore those things. And um, it's hard, you know, as, as an artist, uh, a lot of our self-worth is staked in what other people think of our art. And uh, sometimes that's not pretty and other times it's, you know, Mount Everest highs. Mm. Okay, so where do you where do you find community though? Like, where do you? I know you you've talked so much about pouring into you know the individual or into the client, um, but so if you if you're not leveraging social media for your self worth, which thank God you're not, but if <laughs> but if you're not, um, you know, then the next I think the next logical conversation is then then where do you find the people in your life that 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 matter? You know, I think a big thing for me has been family. Um, that's been a huge one. However, on top of that, it's um, it's finding that self-worth and in, in the, the personal relationships I've made because of social media, because like, hey, I love this person's work. Oh, shoot, they live close to me. Oh, wait, that's them at the coffee shop. Oh, I'm going to walk over and say, hey, I'm Max, I follow you on Instagram. Your work's stunning. I have no idea how you X, Y, Z, but I love that you're doing it. And so I think it's, again, not just being vulnerable with your clients, but being vulnerable with the actual community around you. Um, And so I know a lot of the friendships that I've had have purely been because I was willing to just DM someone and say, hey, I love your work. If you're ever out and want to meet up and grab a coffee, let's grab a coffee. And having that awkward blind date experience with a peer. Um, and, and because of that, I now have this reach that is around the world that I can pick up a phone and talk to people that I know have my best interests at heart because I've invested in their life and, and made it a priority. And so whether that's just dropping a text when I think of um, taking the five seconds to drop a text, but hey, how are you doing? Um, hope life's going well. But when that happens, those people start to rally around you and what you're doing as well. Yeah, uh, that's perfectly said. So coffee shops. Yeah, I call all the coffee shops. <laughs> um, so um, I I am overly caffeinated and underhydrated. So <laughs> I can attest to that actually. So. Guys, guys, if, you, if you've made it this far, we're about 50 minutes into this, this conversation. And, um, you know, I want to give credit, kind of where credit is due here, because, um, you know, though we've had some, some guests that, you know, may, they may be names that you've heard more or, you know, portfolios that you're more familiar with. I want to give you a perspective of just how ingrained, how important Max uh, and Max's work has been to the formation of even what you're listening to right now. In fact, actually, Max was sitting at the table uh, at a Starbucks 
with me and our friend uh, Dylan Steierwalt um, back in, I, it may have been 2015 or 16, when the very first time the name Photographic Collective was mentioned. And, uh, and that we, we had no idea back then what that would mean, what that was. Um, or early on, the idea was simply to take everything away from always being underneath my name. And, uh, and so here we are, you know, eight or nine years later, um, and we've got, we've got this community, we've got this, this organization, we've got products coming out and presets coming out and, um, and all of the things that are happening to this collective. And, and you guys do, do yourselves a favor and also do me a favor. Click over and, uh, and engage with Max because he has been an integral and important part of my life throughout that entire part, process. Um, I, I'm willing to say there would be no such thing as the Photographic Collective had uh, Max not been a friend throughout this entire process. Um, so, okay, buddy. Well, as we start to wrap this up, um, tell us really quick and, and not do the like, please, God, don't do the like, smash my face and follow me at. Um, <laughs> um, but can I awkward Nick, Nick from New Girl Moonwalk out of this conversation right now? No, yes, kidding. you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, but but give us a way, like, you know, as a community, give us a way that we can um, interact with you, that we can engage with you, um, uh, you know, places that we can find your work and and learn from you and with you. Uh, where Where is the best way to just meet you, assuming that all of us can't just coffee shop with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would say, you know, of course, the the quickest and easiest way would be Instagram. Um, it's Grub W G R U B B W, um, and it's this ugly mug just chilling up there in the top left corner, uh, and uh, just dropping me a DM. Uh, you know, I try and answer all of all of the conversations I get in there, whether that's same day or a week later. I really do try and, and invest in the people that want to invest in and in what's going on. Uh, same thing. I'm a part of the Photographic Collective Facebook page. I know I'm not as vocal in there. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not willing to answer questions. And so if you want to find me there and write me a message just through direct PMs, I'm, I'm down. Um, you know, I've got my website, maxgrubweddings.com. Uh, it, it's coming together. Uh, it's fun. Um, it's, it's always evolving. Um, I've got a blog in there. I, I'm trying to be better about updating that. Uh, you know, life gets busy sometimes and that comes back to that grace. Uh, but you know, those are, those are kind of the three places that, that you can find me, that you can engage with me, engage with my work. Um, and then from there, if you are local or if you're ever in the Northwest Arkansas region, let's grab a coffee. I'm totally down. Dude, I love it. I love it. Max, I'm so grateful for you, man. Um, it occurs to me that I have no idea why we didn't do this recording in person. Uh, I said the exact same <laughs> thing to Jason Vinson. I'm like, wait, why? Why aren't we just sitting here drinking coffee together? Um, I mean, you know, I got a I got a sweet space now that I found yesterday to be able to shoot something like this. In. Uh, oh, 2.0. Um, yeah, the, the second, 2.0. Next the, time, the second recording um, of this that yeah. that'll, that'll definitely have to happen. Um, hey, listen, you guys that that are, are listening, um, it's been kind of heavy on my heart over the last uh, the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and I've, I've heard, uh, you know, a number of you guys reach out and have said like, hey, Miles, please don't slow down on the podcast, you know, because I, I, I skipped a week. We did a, a live video in the, in the Photoco Facebook group instead of doing a podcast episode. And then I did a solo episode and, um, you know, I know we're, we're all getting busy. And so I, I want you guys to hear me when I say 
Um, the passion, uh, the, the calling that I think at this point that has come from me just sort of trying to serve this community and serve you guys um, is not fading one bit, but it is changing. And the reason I want it to change is because I want to make sure that every guest that we have in here is as intentional as Max just was into giving authentic and real and raw advice um, you know, to people that need to hear it right now. So um, Max, thank you. Uh, genuinely, thank you. I, of course. Uh, thanks for having me on. Man, you one of, one of my favorite grooms I've ever shot, by the way. Um, dude, that suit. Oof, still good. Um, it's because I was vulnerable and wept like a child when I saw my bride. Uh, yeah, did I did not hold back. I may actually post that photo um, because Max did, in <laughs> fact, weep like a child. Um, nobody was taking pictures. I was weeping as well. So, um, yes. okay. <laughs> so oh, my Max is all grown up. All right. Uh, well, dude, for, first and foremost, thank you so much for wearing that hat today. I really appreciate. Uh, can't wait to post that on YouTube. Um, that old school soul. Yeah. Uh, secondly, you guys that uh, that are that are still in here, um, y'all get get back to community. Get back to shooting. Grab a camera. Go take pictures of raindrops on barbed wire fences. Like, if if that type of of backyard shooting resulted in the type of work that I hope you guys click over and see from from Max's uh, Instagram and website, then there is absolutely no excuse. Like, uh, just get out and shoot stuff because. We've got art to make, and uh, and if you don't make it, nobody will. So, uh, have a great week, and thank you, thank you so much for uh, for joining us this week on the Photographic Collective podcast. Mm-hmm.